Welcome to Build with Rob. It is Rob Deerdeck, CEO and founder of the Deerdeck Machine. And you know what we love to do down here? We love to systematically fuse art, science, and magic to manufacture amazing. You know, manufacturing amazing companies, manufacturing amazing life. This show is all about strategies in both business and life, whether you are an entrepreneur or you're someone that has the entrepreneurial mindset. Because what is an entrepreneurial mindset? It is the mindset of a builder. It's the mindset of a builder. And you don't have to uh, just want to create a company to have an entrepreneurial mindset. You don't. You know, I want everybody to listen to this show, listen to the way that that we approach, um, you know, life and business and look at it. How can I apply a lot of these lessons and things learned and stories being told to my own life? That's what having an entrepreneurial mindset is about. And it, and it can create so much value in your life. You know, if you want to start a company, you got to first define what that idea is and, and who is it for and what are you going to do to bring it to life? All of these different sort of components and that just simple structure of knowing that you've got to define all of these parts of a company and then put a plan to them and then build them over time and then learn as you go and evolve it and change and adapt and evolve and change and adapt and eventually you have a successful company, you should look at your life no different. You know, you should apply that same way of thinking to how you'd want to create your life. And it doesn't matter uh, if you have no intent of ever building uh, a company. You are building a life, whether you like it or not. And the more structure and planning and goal setting um, that you put towards how you want to build your life, the more successful your life is going to become. You know, and, and the beauty of it is, is, you know, you know, as Simon Sinek would say, um, life is an infinite game. Okay, it's not a, a, a finite game where there's a score at the end. It is a game that goes on till the day you die. And here's the beauty of it. You get to get better and better and better and better at life as you grow older over time. And by applying structure and system and, and goal setting and treating your life more like a company or how you would build a company – is going to do so much for you. You know, we recently launched the Do or Dire Foundation, uh, our philanthropy arm here at uh, at the Deer Deck Machine, and and really, you know, our goal with the foundation is to help teach underappreciated and underrepresented uh, communities about the entrepreneurial mindset. You know, uh, we partnered with three different, um, foundations that, that teach entrepreneurial mindset, defy, uh, build with three great organizations that, that we're supporting and then building programs with to support their missions. But, but each of them, you know, wit and build for, for younger kids and teenagers and defy for the previously incarcerated. But each one of these organizations is trying to get people to understand that they ultimately are the CEOs of their lives, right? And if they, uh, begin to treat their life more in the idea that this is I am the CEO of my life and my life is essentially my company and I can begin to learn 
uh, how to build my life the same way that I would build a company will create tremendous value um, over time because you get better and better at learning how to build your life uh, with more structure, more goals, more process if you do it continually and consistently for many years, you know, and, and eventually it becomes second nature, no different than, than any other entrepreneur who will build a company and their first company, they learn all their lessons, their second company is a little bit better, and then their third company is their magnum opus. Uh, you know, y- you get that opportunity to apply that same philosophy to your life. You know, and, and I know you're going to say, well, I don't, I don't, you only got one life, YOLO, YOLO, and, and you're right, but you live through a series of stages in your life. You go through continual cycles over and over in life, and really, you actually get to create uh, multiple uh, lives in your lifetime, and, it, and it's really on you to begin to understand how to get better and better at, at creating the life that you want for yourself. And by approaching it, no different than you would approach building a company and getting better at how you actually create your life over time as you go through these cycles and and evolve as a, as an, as a person, uh, evolve in experience, evolve in knowledge, you're going to be able to build – an extraordinary life. And, and to me, um, I just think anybody, you know, who wants to understand the limitless possibilities of what evolution and life has to offer, you need to apply the entrepreneurial mindset to not only your business idea, but your life and who you are as a person. And look, you know, everybody on this show, they're already living it. You know, uh, everyone that's a guest on this show is is got an idea. You know, it's either somebody that, that I'm partners with, we're building a company together, or uh, it's someone looking for some advice about their idea, a, a company they're creating. And, and, hey, when you go through the process of developing a company, a lot of times you just don't even think about integrating your life into that plan and applying that same sort of uh, structure and goals and uh, goal setting and all this different aspect of building a life that you're putting in your company. You don't even think about putting it into your, to your life, you know? So even a lot of the people on this show uh, that are guests and come on and, and, and we talk about life and, and talk about business strategies, you know, I implore to them, take this same mentality that you've committed to creating this venture and apply that to to the way that you want to live, you know, and 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 share the the idea of what it means to be an entrepreneur uh, to everyone that you know, because it's it's really less about building a company, and it's really and always will be about building a life. All right, well, look, we got a couple of great entrepreneurs who are already living it on the show right now. Uh, let's get into it. What up, Dear Dick Machine? My name is Miles Weber, and I am a stand-up comedian. I've been a stand-up comedian for about 13 years now, long enough to know better. So uh, in that time, I think since 2019 to the present, I have had a cruise agent to help me with my bookings. Aside from that, I have handled all of my business as a stand-up comedian by myself. So because of that, I know a lot of entertainers, not just comedians, not just, you know, 
Sid's Toys from Toy Story. We are the land of misfit toys for sure. Uh, but I know a lot of singers and musicians and dancers and poets and painters and just artists in general. These are my people and I really connect to the creatives. And at some point in our friendship, all of them have said the exact same thing to me. They go, Miles, performing is my therapy. My art is my therapy. And I'm like, that is so beautiful. You should also go to therapy. That would really help you a lot. So I am starting a business. It's called Green Room Talk. And it is affordable virtual counseling from life coaches for entertainers exclusively. I think we could definitely change the world by taking charge of our mental health. And starting with entertainers would be a wonderful place to start. So regardless, if you hop on this on board with me or not, I'm excited about this project and it will exist one day and it is going to change the world. So I hope that I hear from you guys soon. Have a good day. Miles Weber, welcome to Build with Rob. How are you? I'm fantastic, brother Rob. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, uh, you know, I, I, I look forward to hearing the vision for Green Room Talk, uh, you know, because I definitely got some thoughts about it as a concept, I think it's a great concept. But please, for 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 everyone, give us give us the quick overview of the vision that you have. Yes. So uh, I found myself during the pandemic sitting uh, with my wife, and you know I'm an entertainer, stand up comedian myself, and there was a lot of stuff going on during the pandemic. A lot of people suffering, entertainers in particular, because we got labeled as uh, non essential. Which hurts your soul when someone calls you non-essential. <laughs> really stings when someone says that to your face. Uh, that uh, hurts. That hurts. It hurts. And so, yeah, a lot of entertainers that I've known over the years, which doesn't just span to comedians. I know singers, musicians, dancers, all of them. They were kind of suffering and there was no direction. And there was no, there's like a brave new world that's happening right now, especially like online and everything. And I was telling my wife, I was like, what are we going to do? Like, we should at least have somebody to talk to or somebody to kind of help us navigate the water. She's like, why don't you make that a thing? And I'm like, fine, I'll make it a thing. So I decided to make a life coaching company for entertainers of all levels exclusively called Green Room Talk, which our tagline is all talk, no drama. Because when you don't talk about the drama, what else is there left to talk to if you're not bitching about something? everything you're going to conquer the world with. So how do we move forward? You know, so I kind of did a lot of research to try and figure out what the difference between like life coaching and therapy is. Therapy tends to deal with like the present, the past and works on all that. Life coaching is how do we take everything that's going on right now, move it forward, focus on that future. So I think it's good for entertainers of all levels for us to be able to help them. If you're trying to break into the entertainment industry, we've got coaches who know a lot about the entertainment industry. They can kind of, we can devise a plan to try and go like, all right, this is what we got to do. If you want to do these things and go this route, we can take you that way. If you want to go these things and go this route, we could take you that way. But also I know plenty of entertainers who've been doing this a long time and they're just trying to find a better balance because that's the biggest thing with this company is just trying to help everybody get back to wholeness, get back to balance. Because I know a lot of entertainers who are on their third or fourth marriage trying to figure out how to make it work. And it's like, all right, is there a way for you to have a successful career that's thriving and also have a successful life and family that is thriving as well? How do we get that balance in there? So I think there's a lot of ways for us to go to just overall doing virtual coaching sessions with entertainers of all levels, trying to help them on. Are you a coach right now as, as, yes. as you see part of it? Right. And, and then what's the stage? Like, do you, have you, 
Have you started coaching people already or are you just at the beginning stages of putting the people together? We're in the both of those. So I'm in the process of getting coaches together. So we've got some coaches right now that are in the process of getting their certifications for their life coach certification. And I just got my certification not too long ago, about a couple of months ago. And I've started taking on some clients because we haven't officially launched the company yet. So I'm taking on clients right now just to kind of build my portfolio, figure out what the style is and just kind of how these sessions are going to go. So that way I can do things like make training videos. So that way the coaches, we all kind of have a plan. You know, we might have different certifications of coaches because there's a lot of different life coach certifications out there, but we can definitely get a video going. So that way people know, all right, this is kind of the path we're trying to go. These are the steps that we need to take. So yeah, I've just started working with some people to try and figure out how we can keep on expanding this. And I'm working on coaching myself. Yeah. Look, I I think, I think there's definitely a need for something like this, you know, I'm, but, but I had a couple different thoughts, you know, I think number one, I, I'm, you know, you, you kind of spoke about how some people are like, you know, for profit or nonprofit. And I think that can end up being a pretty simple decision for you, right? Because really, if it's like, Hey, I would love to help as many people as possible. And if I could just pay myself 200 grand a year and run this for 20 years and still do my comedy, that would be ideal. Like if you can get it into like a real structure like that, where you would just like to help people for the next 20 years, I think a nonprofit would be a, a easy way to be able to create funds ongoing and be able to provide a service without needing to charge it. You know, cause I, I, if you, if you flip on the other side where now it's for, for profit and now you've got to pay for sessions, um, you know, it's just a different business model. And ultimately now it is, it is the quality of that service and the output that it, that it delivers for the, co- the cons- consumer, if you will, the people that you're coaching. Um, but, but either way, you know, I, I would explore both of them and, and have somebody help model out which one is the best for, the, for your life and how you want to live ultimately, right? Because I think getting people to pay will always be a little bit more difficult. I think especially, you know, when you think about for entertainers, right? I think when you go that route, it's really interesting to have segmentation, like by comedian, for comedian, by musician, for musician, right? Because then it's like, man, like you live it, right? And and what I thought was also really funny is like, I feel like all the comedians were like the first people to get COVID because like they were the first persons back on the road to be like, no, we're going to, whoever will let us get up there, we're going back. It's like all the comedians were getting COVID first before anybody, which I thought was really, really funny. We and, never stopped. Right. We never stopped because I mean, like we're always the fail safe form of entertainment. Like if the band, if you're having technical difficulties and the speakers are down, we can't have the band to go on. What are we going to do? Send out the comic. It's just one person talking. Yeah. So yeah, we were, we kept going. Yeah, it was amazing. It was really, really, really funny to me. And I'll tell you another thing that just hit me um watching your video i thought to myself like man like there's just not life coaching is actually is a little a little staunchy a little serious right and i'm like man like you know when i when i think about who you are you know i i watched a bunch of your stand up and and just thinking about sort of the juxtaposition of like where hey like i love like making jokes and and comedy but i also like i'm empathetic for like the mental health side of what comedians go through and artists go through right and 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 to me there's that 
no one's ever applied that to coaching, right? We're like, why can't coaching be funny and fun and, and still be serious and filled with value, you know? So I, I just, you know, thinking about your comedy, your experience, and then ultimately, you know, the video that you sent us that sort of laid out this, I, I could see a path of like, you know, comedy life coaching as like another side that I think, you know, is, is something that I would potentially consider um, for you just because that now opens it up to everybody, right? Like, and and now you're making it um, way more fun to, to learn, evolve and grow as a person rather than feeling like you're going to a therapist or a coach that's like a teacher, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, I mean, humor is ultimately kind of the spoonful of sugar that helps the medicine go down with people, right? It could be very disarming if you've got some humor sprinkled in with things. And I learned from one of my teachers growing up, it's the best way to retain information is to sprinkle some humor in there throughout. So yeah, what you're speaking to yeah. is absolutely right. That's yeah. that's totally an avenue I want to go down. So look, I, I I just think you think about that, right? Rather than like like buy artists for artists is a is is a really small market. Mm -hmm. Comedic life coaching is everybody, everybody, True. you know what I mean? True. And, and then what do you do? You go out and get uh, people similar to you that, you know, other great comics that can go through the certification and be uh, great mentors on top of being uh, really funny and fun. Then I think you can charge in that model uh, because it's almost like, you know, uh, entertainment and education combined, uh, and, and personal development, right? It just really, you know, as I was really thinking about it and looking at it, it just doesn't exist either, mm -hmm. right? Like that's just like pure white space, you know? So that would just be as the outside observer, uh, who walks all the lines as it relates to business, personal development, and ultimately, you know, I don't consider myself a comedian, uh, although I do freestyle, uh, comedy, uh, improv, a television show, um, you do. actual stand up is the scariest thing in the world. I've only done it one time. You know what I mean? It's like actually writing jokes, right? Cause I just freestyle the show and then it's just like, it's funny. It's we, we edit out all the stuff that's not funny. Uh, it, but like stand up, it's like, man, when you got to get the timing, you got to bring them along and you got to execute is it's a daunting, daunting uh, undertaking. And think about it too. Like a lot of times your comedy um, is born from your identity and your pain is part of your act. And then your act becomes your identity. And now you deny even trying to heal from that pain because now it is the cornerstone of your existence, right? And perpetually trapped by it until, you know, you get 40, 50 and then decide like, I can't like continue to be uh, anchored by this. I think that's one of the the things that, as I'm sure you understand that comedians get, get, get roped into quick. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. There is definitely, and more studies have been coming out of r different universities recently saying that if you had childhood trauma or even like trauma in your adult life, statistically, you might be funnier as yeah. a person yeah. just because <laughs> you have to be able to create that light in the darkness situation. And across, that's why I wanted to make this something that was for entertainers. I like the broad 
picture that you're going with, how can we grow this? I definitely love that. I think that's huge, but also making something for entertainers to make sure we have that lane because we've only got how many celebrities are well-known, highly documented celebrities or artists that had a super traumatic childhood. And then from that trauma, they were able to hyper-focus their energy into, like you said, building an identity on this art that we then make. And I'm here to try and say as a coach, what happens if you heal that trauma that you've cultivated this art with? Does the art get even better? Because I've talked to so many entertainers who were like, oh, no, well, I can't do this because then that's going to kind of make me lose my edge or, oh, yeah. well, I mean, I've kind of become the Batman. So, I mean, I can't like heal the trauma and stop fighting crime. It's like, yeah, but what is on the other side of that healing? Yeah. Is there something bigger and better? Because right now we're just hypothesizing. We don't know what's going on. It could be bad, but it could be good. So yeah, hey, let's go ahead and look I, at that perspective. Yeah. And look, and it's a tough one. That's a big leap, right? Because you don't, it is scary when you've built a life and identity uh, on your pain and, and a career, God forbid, you know what I mean? And for me, even on the business side, like I, before I became, you know, super optimized and balanced and happy and a great father and husband and, and living an incredible life, I thought I needed to just work really hard and, and, and then crash and then work really hard and then crash. I thought that was like really what made me gave me the ability to actually have so much success. And it's phenomenal the level of success that I actually created when I uh, destroyed that limiting belief and then designed an extraordinarily balanced life and then grew my success from a, from a foundation of balance uh, is truly the best way to live. So I know, I know you got some questions kind of related to both business and life, man. Hit me with them. Yeah, man. I figured I'd ask you some good balance questions. It makes sense. You know, you've been a skateboarder your whole life. Asking a question about balance seems on the nose. So yeah, man, uh, let's talk about for first, like business wise, how do you navigate being a cool boss or let's even say friends with your employees, but also still maintaining that firmness and that authority figure where they'll listen to you, you know, because I want to be a cool boss for my employees, for this company, whichever way it ends up going. But I also want to make sure that there's a level of respect and that we're all kind of working together. So how do you navigate balancing that? Yeah, look, I, I think, you know, especially, you know, if you have this light, fun culture where you're always joking and having fun, like uh, you're at risk of having someone that you have great comedic chemistry with that you love to death, who's but they're naturally lazy. And now you got to always be on them and then like, no, I'm not joking anymore. But, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you know, it's going to be on you to build great structure and and clarity in, in your employees' roles, right? Like, because I think you just don't want to allow there to be any grayness, right? So if you can uh, put some structure to the expectations and really define um, what the role is expected to produce and not allow, like, try to avoid, especially when it comes to people that'll be part of the coaching program of like trying to get them to wear multiple hats in the business. I, I think the, the more structure you put in place, uh, the less likely, um, the, the friendly side of it can be disrupted because expectations are always being managed so thoroughly. And, and for me, you know, I, I, I want everyone that I hire to be someone that I am friends with for the rest of my life. You know, that what makes it so nice is it's you have all these meaningful relationships with all these great people that are part of this 
uh, cause and mission together to create something big and special, you know? And so really, you know, in, in the past I would, I would, you know, hire friends and ask them to do all types of things and then be mad when they, like, when they're doing too, they feel, feel overwhelmed or doing too much. Well, like you said, you could do all this, you know, it's, it's, it's really on you as, as, as a manager of people, uh, to, to make sure that the people you're friendly with and that are your friends that you give them, you both are always on the same page as it relates to expectations. That makes sense. That makes sense. Right on. Thank you for that. That makes a lot of sense. Um, my second question that I had for you is to do with more of like balance with your family. Cause I know you had said, you know, I know you're a father and a husband and, uh, I, know that that's very important to you. And I myself am also a husband and about to be a first time father. My wife is excruciatingly pregnant and is about (laughs) to pop any day now. Um, How do you maintain that balance with your family and with your wife? How often do you guys talk about scheduling to make sure that you're getting that good balance in and not running away with so much work in your day to day? How are you able to make that time? I I mean, look, I'll tell you what I committed to was like absolute, complete, and total communication in all aspects of my life at all times with my wife. And because it's the most important relationship in my existence, right? It is, it is the cornerstone of why I have the ability to see forever. And I feel so blessed that I have such an amazing wife that I'm have committed almost beyond anything to make sure that that communication uh, is is nonstop, multidimensional, and extraordinarily thorough. And, and I'll give you some examples. Every day, I send her an email of every single thing I'm doing that day with a love quote and what it means to me. And the reason I did that is because I do so much that she would always be like, "I didn't even, I never even heard of that company. You started a, like a." a new software, a VR software company, right? Like, so it was like, like this. And and again, it was a pain point. And then I said, okay, let me do this. I'll, I'll send you an email every day of what I'm doing. Right. So, and then I just put a little, you know, sweetener on it with the, with the love quote every single day. Um, but, but that's, you know, that's how the, the, the day works. Now, of course I ask my wife every day to how rate, how she feels about our relationship zero to 10, Right. So that I have qualitative data of her emotional state of out as it relates to us. So I always have that. And then, of course, I make her uh, email it to me. So we have a record uh, because when she's feeling down, she'll be like, we haven't even been communicating for like like three weeks. And then I can go back to the data and be like, see, it's, you're only you're only bummed out for two days. Um, and then, look, I'm I'm uh, design the week. Right. Tuesday night is just talk night. Uh, Friday night is is sushi date night. Thursday night is movie night. Wednesday morning is breakfast date, right? On top of the fact that I uh, take uh, the kids to and from school almost every single day and never miss a pediatrician appointment or any major sort of dentist or anything like that. I schedule around that. Uh, the weekends are for the family. Um, and Sunday night is another uh, date evening and usually a rom-com in the evening on Sunday night. Um, and then once a week, we have a living uh, hot sheet document that m- my chief of staff and two assistants manage that is just our family and everything to do with our family. And we all meet together 
and go through every single aspect of what's happening with the family and and being fully organized at all times. And then in that meeting, I go through every date in my calendar for for the next month and talk through everything so nothing blindsides her, right? And then every other week, a therapist comes to the house and then we just have a, an open forum to discuss anything that maybe like she didn't didn't want to like like wanted to hold on to or whatever it may be. Now, I just laid out, you know, a a what we're talking about one of the most highly optimized systems of at the end of the day defending and protecting our relationship to make sure that it is constantly uh, put at the forefront of everything and then putting energy and effort into uh, never allowing miscommunication or anything. And, and I swear to you, Miles, the only time we fight or, or something is awry in our relationship is when I fire a bad joke. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, it's like, you know what I mean? Like where you think you got one, you think you got one and you, you just hit her with the zinger and you fully yep. offend her. Like you just brought bad timing, wrong, you know, you're just off. Like, it's like, oh, yeah. I, I can tell you that our relationship is extraordinary by design, automation and optimization, except for when Rob tries to hit one of these random zingers and misfires, <laughs> you know what I mean? But oh, look, man. And, and that's that's a highly next level way of doing it. But I I, I really employ uh, employ that anybody the more structure you can put to communication, the the more the better your communication is going to be with time. You know what I mean? And you got to commit to it. And and it's about again managing expectations with the most important person in your life. And as long as you're always on the same page with how often you're going to work or or why you have to work or work harder or spend more time then it's it's part of of the plan of growing together and growing a life together um will always keep that communication strong keep that relationship strong you know I love that man that's so inspiring to see someone who I feel like we all know you work so hard on the surface we can see you working so hard to maintain these business but it's nice hearing that you also put just as much work if not more work into your relationship with your wife because I know so many dudes and so many people out there who are are trying to manage doing all these major things but their at home life and the communication just breaks down constantly with their spouse or loved one. And so it's super cool that you're like, this is what I'm doing. And then after that, we do this and then we do this. And so that's super cool. I love all of that. Thank you. Yeah. And look, and it, and it feels like sounds like a lot, but I got better and better at it over time. And, and now it's intuitive and effortless and it's, and it has elevated our relationship and our existence and my overall happiness. Because at the end of the day, um, the success is getting up every day filled with energy, excited to do everything and everyone around you uh, filled with energy. And what does that do? That trickles down to your kids and how you're raising and growing your kids, the people that work for you. It's, it's really your energy and your life balance uh, the stronger it gets, the better it is, the the higher quality of life you have. And at the end of the day, Miles, we're just hunting high quality life. You know, that's that's what we're looking for. 
That's the idea. Absolutely. I'm with you. All right. Well, look, man, I, I, I wish you the best of luck. I look forward to seeing how it comes alive. But really, I think you think about uh, pursuing that uh, comedy coaching, man. It's, uh, it, it's, it's wide open, man. I, I, it's something I think you, you think about for sure. Absolutely. Thanks so much for the insight, Rob. Really appreciate you, man. Thanks a lot. All right. Be good. Hello, my name is Kaiser Lieber, and I'm the founder of SOF. You're probably wondering what my company is and why this thing is in the background. Well, guess what? If you've ever heard of the Coke Freestyle soda dispenser machine, well, you're about to be amazed. Imagine a Coke Freestyle on steroids. That's us. My company, SOF, is a touchscreen alcohol dispensing technology startup. Now this is Self, our touchscreen alcohol dispenser. The next time you're at a nightclub, a casino, a bar, a restaurant, or basically anywhere that sells alcohol, you could just go up to it, tap your payment system, like Apple Pay or your debit card, select a drink, and then press pour. It's as simple as that. The truth is, is I've been an entrepreneur my entire life, and I've always been told that I can't pursue it because I need a safety net, I need a safe job, I need a nine to five. So guess what my response to that was? When I was in college, I changed my major immediately to entrepreneurship. And I set myself up having no other choice but to work for myself one day. And that's how much I want this. Ever since that moment, I've never been more committed than now. I started self, gave up working in the meantime just so I could do this. I, I have my student loans about to pile up. And I am all in. If there was ever a moment when somebody said I am all in, I would take the shirt off my back to get this company started. And I would sleep outside for 30 days straight. And I would sleep outside for three years straight. Or I would sleep outside for 30 years straight to get this company off my back. Because that's how much I wanted. When you grow up in a family that only had the basic necessities or didn't really, I was scared to ask my mom for things. You finally realize that when you have the opportunity to do something big, you gotta do it. And this is my chance, and this is, this is exactly why I'm gonna do a die. Because I already embodied that. I've been doing things or I'll die my entire life. I'm doing this before I die, and that's a fact. So I guess the real question is, are you gonna be a part of it? Because I know I am. Kaiser Lipier, welcome to Build With Rob. How are you, my friend? What's up, Rob? How you doing? It's a pleasure to meet you, man. Hey. It's really like growing up and watching Robin Big and ridiculousness. This is really a dream, bro. Hey, look, I'm 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 glad you uh, sent your video in. I, I think the concept's super interesting. I actually danced with the devil on a robotic bartender once, uh, so I actually have some an an unusual way of like looking at this space from from looking at it in the past. But please, uh, for everybody listening, just. Just lay out the vision real quick of, of what you've created. So self is an old English uh, spelling of self, and it's basically short for self-serve. Our technology is cutting-edge uh, beverage dispensing. We do touchscreen alcohol dispensing for bars, restaurants, casinos. Basically, anywhere that sells alcohol, we want to be in. And the beauty of our company is that you could just go up to it as a regular person of age, go up to our dispenser, select the beverage, Tap your Apple Pay, Google Pay, et cetera, and get going. And it's usually as quick as 30 seconds. So our goal is to increase customer satisfaction, business efficiency, and basically disperse lines. Just because my experience through bars and basically restaurants is always waiting too long, always waiting for a watered down drink. And I just 
along this way, I thought, you know what? I have to come up with a solution. And then self came to to fruition. And how did you end up developing like the hardware and the technology? Like it's just a, such a pretty massive undertaking. Do you, and do you have a sample already made like of the product? Yeah. So the thing is, is we have patent pendings, we have renderings, we have CADs and all that. But now we're at the the financial capital roadblock, right? Okay. So we're, we started raising money through WeFunder. Um, in the first like two days, we raised over $20,000. And then now we have another $40,000 through friends and family. And it's slowly growing, but eventually we're going to get there and, and we're going to turn these these visions and, and this this patentable product into an actual physical product. And how much does it cost for you to build like your first one from a sample perspective? Uh, first one is going to be around $200,000. Okay. And then after that, it's only going to be around $5,000. Oh, per unit is 5000 Okay. Yeah. And, and that's sort of like like what you've kind of discovered along the process? Because I want to, I, I want to, I, I thought maybe I heard you say they were, the units were 25000 a piece initially perhaps yeah so we actually plan on selling the dispensers anywhere anywhere between twenty five thousand and thirty five thousand that's if you want to buy it outright but we also have other verticals as well where you could lease the dispenser for x amount of money per month or you could also do a percentage deal so me and you could uh, work out something where i take out 30 percent, maybe 20 percent per monthly sales through each self dispenser yeah, no, I, that's that. That makes a lot more sense, right? Like, um, yeah, because because to me, I was I was I, for some reason I was thinking like, oh, they're twenty five. You paid twenty five for, it. but no, that's that's really that's actually quite efficient at five thousand yes. per. You know, because look, when I so you know this is this is what I dance with the devil on, right? Is this this group out here um, a, a great? Great uh, venture studio out here has a ton of different robotic companies, right? And and um, you know they've got boba and pizza and mowing, right? They're they're amazing. Uh, Wavemaker Studios out here, they're ma- amazing, amazing group building all this robotic stuff. So we were there, we were talking like, what what could we do? And like it landed on like, oh, there's there's potential to have like a robotic bartender, right? And mm-hmm. and so. You know, for me, it was a, a little bit complex because I, you know, I think the the path to creating it was super expensive, and then the units were way more expensive than uh, five thousand dollars per unix. I think that is like really like a sweet spot economically, but but I went through the headspace of like where are the places that would get the most use and what would be the first place to like launch it in, right? Is it at least the thought that I put it in? Because obviously you think about bars and you think about the line solution and that idea of like, hey, here's this other piece of equipment or other sort of aspect to like a super busy club. But, you know, we always ran into that problem of restocking the alcohol, right? Because depending on the size of the unit, like, you know, you only get about 16 drinks per bottle, right? So you, you really get pinned. Can I, can, can I interject real yeah, quick? Yeah, hit me, man. Hit so, me. So listen, bro. So we kind of dealt with that same thing. You know what? There's going to be a restocking every time the, the stock is um, depleted, right? But then we also thought, hey, for these people who don't feel comfortable with doing self-serve for their customers, put it behind the bar. So you can attach the lines, attach the bibs, that's the soda technology, all that. And then now you have a unlimited supply to each self-dispenser. So we have two sides of each coin. One where we can have a freestanding uh, mobile dispensing unit where you can put it in the back and increase 
the valuable floor space of each venue you're in, or you could just put it in, in the back of the, the house and you could actually benefit off of that as well. Now, bartenders don't have to be the only ones serving drinks. Now, your your bar back or, or the server could go up to the dispenser and, and serve these drinks. So there's definitely different uh, ways that you could look at it and different ways that we could implement our technology into these venues. Yeah, I, I, I love that. You know, and another one that I really, really thought might be interesting was, you know, uh, liquor stores, right? Because liquor stores don't have the ability to basically you're getting this bottle of vodka for $12 that sells, you know, for $30, but you could turn that uh, bottle of vodka into a, you know, $150 sale. If you're, absolutely, you know, absolutely. and, 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 you know, we talked like talked about potentially if it was in a liquor store, then you basically had a mixed drink to go. So now you could get a fresh mixed drink as part of like the, the alcohol that you were getting leaving with is, is another thing that, that and, I think is super interesting that you could think about. And you know, what was funny, we actually did think about this and the pandemic actually allowed this to be more like acceptable. So yeah. bef- before the pandemic, taking a, a cocktail to go was kind of like taboo. Don't do it. Yeah. But now after the pandemic, this is a highly possible so, like situation for self to actually be in a liquor store and give these samples. We actually thought about actually um, doing like shots like or, or half of a shot so you could sample products while you're in a, yeah. a, a liquor um, location. So it's there's a wide range of possibilities. It's not just high volume venues. We 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 would love to be in grocery stores. We would love to be in uh, liquor stores. Yeah, and, and 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 again, I think grocery stores probably gets complex. Yeah, very yeah, because you know of the, I mean? the 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 age stuff, you know, and 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 really obviously bars the is the easiest because everybody in there, like you know, especially if it's so you have to be ID to get in type of thing exactly. at twenty one. Then then it's really clean. A uh, liquor store can just be managed easier, right? Meaning that, like, uh, you know, you couldn't just like go in and 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 buy alcohol in a liquor store without uh, having ID. But yeah, look, I I'm I really think there's um I, I I think there's something incredibly compelling if you can get it to to work. There's economies, and then it 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 becomes a unit economics thing that has to work for somebody. It just only has to work for one. You know what I mean? Like you only need it to work for one venue and you can point to like, hey, this is serving 200 extra drinks a night at at this cost. You know what I mean? And this is what it's providing for uh, the bar or the club, right? It's, you know, to a liquor store of like, hey, you're selling this much. You're tripling the value of the bottles that you have. Like, you know, I'm... It's a it's a game that's easy to scale if you can get a handful to work right. You know what I mean? And, and again, I, I do think it is really about, you know, getting uh, past that threshold of that initial investment and then and then really finding like some places that will test it for you that will allow you to get that metric that you can easily take to every bar, every liquor store and be like, this is how much they made. This is how much you can make type of thing, you know. And, and it's it's funny that you say that because during our case study, we surveyed over 200 plus different bars and restaurants. And we kind of played this scenario when we were asking them, like, hey, what's your problems? Like, what do you have? And, you know, the whole sales funnel. And during that process, we actually realized that if company X or bar X gets one of a self dispenser, 
then company C down the street was likely to get it as well. So we kind of pinned them against each other. We're like, hey, new technology coming out. If if down the street gets it, how lucky are you to get it? Oh, they're getting it? Oh, I want one too. Yeah. So that seemed to be the common denominator when we were um, going and pitching to possible bars. Now, and tell me, I think your your question kind of relates to to sort of what it what it means to go out and be raising money because I'm sure that's sort of what you're you're in the middle of. So so hit me hit me with your question. So the uh, first question was in light of the trending red flag memes, what are your red flags uh, you see in companies that are raising capital with first time founders? And um, also, what do you believe is an, believe is an underrated resource when it comes to um, raising funding as a first-time founder. Yeah. And look, I mean, raising money as a first-time founder is always the hardest, you know what I mean? And, and especially if you can't point to being surrounded or having some sort of experience in the industry you're in. Right. And, and in your case, you know, it's not like, man, I I just, you know, I've been going to clubs for so many years. I'm sick of waiting in lines. Right. Uh, you know what I mean? I don't, it, it, it isn't, it's more like, you know, someone that comes from used to work at Diageo that comes from distribution that, uh, owns a, uh, you know, managed a, a set of bars, you know, whatever it may be for, for you, you really want to surround yourself with advisors, that have experience in the alcohol um, industry and ultimately sort of the the service side of it, right? And and, and again, you know, when you when a young found first time founder pitches um, an idea, it's so often the big idea and not the sort of tactical path uh, to making a sustainable, acquirable, or profitable business. You know, I think a lot of times like. The red flags is when it's just being led with idea and and not more clear tactical pathways uh, to to success and scale, and then relationships and or advisors that could help reach that tactical pathway. You know, and, and, and when I apply it to you and think about like what you should think about, like it really is like like you know finding like the bar. Uh, that's going to test it that has like a franchise or multiple bars like you know some some sort of thing built in that's going to be where the first five units go to right if you can go and get that deal from a liquor store you can get that deal from a restaurant or a bar if you can get that embedded and and then say hey they're going to test it in these five as soon as we build it and then if they do it then we're going to scale to here and we're going to start first in this region and then go here to here like the more tactical that you can get uh the more believable the story is right. And, of course, and, of course. And I, and I think like, that's the thing about like, you know, first time founders is it really tends to be like big vision and idea, uh, without the execution and the economics being super important in there, you know? And it's funny you say that because we actually have a partner who, uh, talked to the corporate Marriott and mm. they were interested in possibly putting it in their hotel lounges and suites. So it's like, if we could get those people, then that's exactly what you're talking about. That first initial person to kind of get the fire burning and get it started so everybody can feel the heat. Yeah, and and that's what it is. Like then it feels if somebody's willing to commit to having it in their establishment without ever seeing it and without ever actually using it, 
that shows a lot of validation that you have something that's solving a problem uh, because someone's already willing to commit without actually seeing it. And, mm-hmm. and I think I think that's the number one thing you got to go out and get before you try to raise money, you know. All right. I appreciate that advice. Now, for the uh, second question, the life question, I think we could both agree that entrepreneurship is a roller coaster. And with that being said, how do you um, combat your emotions um, so that they're not affecting your mental health when you're not reaching your business goals as quickly as you would like? Yeah. And, and look, I think this is an easier said than done. Um, type of concept, right? Where you want to say as someone who's found success and who's really balanced, you know, like, you know, try to be balanced and have gratitude and, and, you know, stay focused and have faith, right? All these sort of things that they will tell you. But the truth of the matter is, is it's extraordinarily difficult. And especially in the beginning is like, because you don't understand why you're not making the progress, Right. Where you 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 built the plan, you you started pushing forward. You don't understand why it's not connecting with people and moving forward the way you thought it would. And I think that that aspect um, is the most like draining on you mentally, physically and ultimately that emotional health is this like constant lack of of confidence and assuredness, even in the idea as a whole. Right. And and it's it's just one of those things especially in the early stage of business development that that you just have to continually fight through and the only way that you can avoid it is to spend the time to build super clear specific goals and then be making progress towards those goals because that generates the energy and the belief. And again, that can only start at a certain level, you know, because what's your first milestone? I got to raise the money to build the thing, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. so so now as you, you know, you got the WeFunder and, you know, and we're going to make sure to drive people to the WeFunder for you. You know what I mean? Go. You got that You got that website cooking. I mean, you already look like you got a massive, amazing business on how you put it together. So, And, and, and that was the goal, Rob, is to yeah. make it until we make it in a sense. But yeah. the, the truth is this product is real and it's, it's, it's breathable. It's, it's going to survive. It's going to, it's going to be something. I promise yeah, you. And, and that's what I'm saying. So for you right now, you need that first like, like step of getting that capital raise so you can build one and, and then the energy starts. Then it's like, okay, exactly. if I can get somebody to order a couple, like, okay, now we're moving. Like you have these sort of clear milestones that I think you should take the time to map out because as long as you uh, are making progress store, sort of, towards these things, you can be more patient and it won't be as hard on you. You know what I mean? Like you can't be hard on yourself on the, on your entire life and the entire vision for the project, uh, until you get the money raised in order to build the one for the first time, you know, and, and it's okay if that takes longer than expected, as long as you prepare, uh, for as long as you manage your expectations on on when that is going to to happen, meaning uh, maybe it doesn't happen the moment you finish the website and drop the WeFunder, uh, and you still got to have your regular job until uh, that happens. But it, it, as long as you keep that balance in it and know that you've got to get across that milestone, but you can't get complacent, right? 
Like of you got it, not. you know no. what I'm saying? The same way you send a, a video to Deer Dick Machine and Rob, look where it leads you to. Now you got another level of exposure to the idea, some insight, and ultimately let's drive some people to the WeFunder to keep driving and another thing, right? And but establishing those milestones and then being patient and doing everything you can in between uh, those big milestones will will allow you to give yourself you know a little bit of a break on the pressure that comes along with the evolution of it now if nobody wants to try it and no and you don't raise the money for it and and your years in there's also a reality of of this isn't going to happen of yeah. just facing it you know what i'm saying so it's it's and it's not like you know and there's many cases in many ways that that you can get around that hurdle right meaning you have somebody come in and hey you couldn't raise the money you put up the money for this i'll give you half right and then it's somebody who owns a bar that like now their partners in it they put it in their own bars and then now they can test it in their own bars like you know i, I think there's there's a lot of pathways um, that I think you should explore on on how to get that initial one built and put in a place and and I do think you know it, hunting down a partner that owns a bar uh, because then it's just like let's figure out everything and then now you hey in my bar we're generating this much from it and this is what it's doing you can put it in your bar now it's the person that they're talking to is another another path that I think you should. Uh, potentially explore as well. Hey, Rob, I appreciate you, man. I'm definitely going to use everything that you said. And um, yeah, definitely appreciate you, bro. Okay, well, look, I wish you the absolute best. I, I really think there is something there. And I, and, and I look forward to, to self-serving a drink to myself one day with my iPhone. Hey, I hope we could, we could take that drink together, brother. I, I look forward to it, man. Be good. All right, there you have it. Another episode of Bill with Rob, man. Always, always fun, always enlightening, and just enjoy, enjoy the conversations every single time. Um, it's what we love to do down here. Uh, we love the manufacturing amazing. We could manufacture amazing with you. If you want to be on the show, go to deerdeckmachine.com backslash guest and, and, and be on the show. You, you, you got some uh, questions about your business, about your life. Let's talk about it, you know? Uh, you want to be involved in our process, become a machinist. You know what I mean? Be involved in this machine method and this process of manufacturing amazing. And of course, wherever you listen to this podcast, like it, uh, subscribe to it, you know, follow the dream of dreams being realized with dreamers, dreaming, 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 dreaming ideas together. Okay, look, you know what it is. You got a vision. You got to bring it to life with a plan and the absolute and total commitment. Until next time, see it, believe it, do it.